I know this morning is going to be great. Uh, not because of me and not because of, uh, because of uh, you know, anything that we've done differently this morning. I know this morning is going to be great because I've seen in the progression of this series and this year how God is stirring up his church. And I love it. And I'm hearing testimonies, and you'll hear tonight testimonies of what God is doing in his people, in your brothers and sisters, in your lives. And it's amazing when we share those things with, with each other, what God does to build our faith. And I don't know about you, but my faith is being built um, like never before. I can't, I can honestly say, I was was lying in bed with Megan last night. We're just talking as we're going to sleep. uh, And I was like, Meeks, like, I just feel like God is about to do something. Like I just, on the inside, I just feel like I could explode. And I've never, I've been excited for the things of the Lord before but I've never felt like what I'm feeling now. And, and, and so when we come to this message today, even thinking about tonight and the sermon this morning, God and his sovereignty knew that this day would be a day where this message would be preached right, on, right before our church family meeting. I couldn't have planned this, but he did. And when I realized this week how he was orchestrating things, I was like, oh, this is good. So, so forgive me this morning if I'm a little giddy. I'm going to try and talk slowly because I know when I get excited, I, get, I speed up. So I want to be intentional because I don't want to miss anything. But here's my invitation to you. Open your heart this morning to what God wants to deposit in your life. I believe he has a word for you that will continue to build on the series that we've been in um, called entitled called we've been talking about the fact that we are all called that god has called every single person and here's the thing there's a call in everyone's life whether they know jesus or not that he has a plan when the bible says i know the plans i have for you he's talking about everyone in fact the word says that jesus or god's desire is that none would perish but everyone would come to life and if that's the case it means god has a plan and a call on every life which should be an encouragement to us but it should also help us open our eyes when jesus says look to the fields for they are white they're ripe they're ready I'm preaching next Sunday's message. I've got to slow down. Come on, be here next week. We're called. We are called. So we started this series two weeks ago. We've been looking at calling as it relates to our vision as a church and who we are as a church. We are a church that's called, just like every other church. We're people who are called to the things of God, and that we need to make sure that we're engaging in the things of the Lord. We said this. Well, in fact, here's what I want to do. I want to read our, our purpose statement as, uh, for our church. If we can get that up on the screen. I'm going to read this. Can we read it together? Can we do that? Okay. Just like sh- get, get, get some energy going. Get some, there's coffee in the back if you need more coffee. Um, I'm going to invite you guys to join me in this. So on the count of three, we'll read this together. One, two, three. To be a faith community who lives the gospel in such a way that people come to know God, grow as disciples, serve like Jesus, and go into all the world to reach others for Christ. So this, this statement for us sets our course it sets the direction for where we're going. It answers the question, why do we exist? 
And so when it comes to calling and talking about calling and why we're called, we have to look at it through this frame, through this lens. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense in the context of who we are as a church family. So we talked two weeks about knowing God, that first thing right there. We have these four icons. We can get those up. These four icons, know, grow, serve, and go. Those four words are represented right in. Because I know this, memorizing a paragraph of text is not easy, right? It's not easy. And that's, as far as purpose statements goes, that one's pretty wordy. I kind of broke the rules, though. They're supposed to be really concise. But I'm like, there's so much that God wants to do. But so what this does, no grow, serve, and go, helps us just kind of capture that and understand what is, it God, what is it that God's called us to. To know God, to grow as disciples, to serve like Jesus, and to go into all the world. So we, the first week we talked about knowing God and made the statement, you cannot know God, I mean, you cannot know your calling if you do not know God. You cannot know your calling if you do not know God. I'm going to pull up. Excuse me, just a second. I have, I have a remote so I can control my slides here, so I'm on, we're on the same page. But uh, you cannot know God. You cannot know your calling if you do not know God. You cannot know your calling if you do not know God. We talked about uh, the starting that race. If, there, if you do the Ironman triathlon, you have to know the course that's marked out. Otherwise, you're going to run off the course and be disqualified. And so before you can run the race, you need to know what, that race that mark, what the race that's marked out is. And before you can know that, you need to know the Lord. Not so you can do the Ironman, but you can run the race that God has marked out for your life. So you cannot know your calling if you know God. So it's the starting point for us, for every one of us. It becomes that goal. The next thing is this. You have to grow as a disciple. You have to be rooted and established to bear fruit. Last week I had the fruit basket out here and we had the fruit cut it open, cut up the apple. Talked about planting an apple seed and, and what it takes to grow. That an apple tree, it, t- it has to grow for seven years before it bears fruit. We talked about the fact that an apple tree cannot bear fruit if it's, if it's started from seed uh, and grows into a tree. It will not bear fruit if it's not planted with another apple tree. You need two. And the idea that we need each other, we need to be established and rooted in the local church in this place. Hebrews says, you know, don't get in the habit of not gathering together and being together. Why? So we can just have big churches and look, hey, look at it. No, because we need each other. And we need to be established and rooted. Our roots need to go deep and our tree, the trunk needs to grow and the branches need to be strong enough. So why? So we can produce fruit. Remember, I had that fruit basket, and I said, the, the fruit is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you haven't memorized those, by the way, memorize them. Just, just do it. Just this week. Turn to Galatians. It's Galatians chapter 5. Find that verse. Write them down on a note card and memorize them, because you can't live them if you don't know them, and it helps you keep you in check, Right? The fruit of the Spirit needs to be produced in our lives. It has to be produced. And then that basket becomes uh, the spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts are like a basket. They are a fruit delivery mechanism. That's what the gifts are. And we're going to talk about that more this morning. But you have to be planted. So this morning is this. You have to serve. You have to serve like Jesus. 
you have a job to do. You have a job to do. And this goes beyond, oh, we need help in the children's ministries. Or we need you to volunteer. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about at all. The job that you have to do is unique because you are unique. And you, your calling fits inside of the context of this congregation. I made this statement last week. We think in America that we get to choose where we go to church because I'm free, right? I'm American. I'll go to church wherever I want to go to church. You know that God has a church picked out for you. The prescribed soil that you're supposed to grow in. Right? I, I, I got to overhear a conversation this week with someone talking about finding a church. And they're like, oh, I just love that church because it's, it's this and that's that. And you know what I heard, didn't hear in the entire conversation was this. You know, I really prayed about where I was supposed to go to church. And God said, this is the church. And we come at that, or like as a smorgasbord, what do I like about this one? Let's compare. Oh, no, this one, this one makes me feel better. Can I just tell you, if your church makes you feel good, it's probably not a good church to be at. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I just said that. Because I'm not here to appease you. I'm here to equip you. I'm not here to appease you. I'm here to equip you. And if you're looking for a shoulder to cry on, I am empathetic. But when it comes to this, I'm like, I will hug you and then I will kick you in the rear end and say, let's do this. Why? Because I believe in this. Can I tell you, I don't want to be a part of a church where the pastor's like, eh, it's kind of whatever. I'm preaching to myself a little bit. But I'm excited about what God is doing. And if I wasn't, Can I just tell you, if I ever get to a point where you're like, Barry's not excited about pastoring this church, would you kick me (laughs) in the rear parts and let me know something's missing? Because we need that. Because God's doing amazing things. I've got to get to the message. We've got to serve like Jesus. We've got to serve like Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants i gave you milk not solid food for you were not ready for it indeed you are still not ready you are still worldly for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you are you not worldly are you not acting like mere men for one says i follow paul and another i follow apollos are you not mere men what after is apollo after all is apollos What is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, 
His work, work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. This has been our anchor passage for this series, and it's just a good chunk of scripture. There's so much going on here. There's so much that Paul is addressing. Um, I didn't mention this before. If you've missed any of these messages in this series, I encourage you, they're available on our website, newcommunityfs.com. Click on the messages tab and you can load them there. You can also look for it on iTunes. It's podcast. Go back and listen to the first two messages in this series. I I think it it would be a blessing to you and it help you even understand even more what we're talking about this morning. One other thing I want to do before I move on, I want to address something that actually during our prayer time this morning came up. Matthew's sitting right here in the front row and he didn't know I was going to call on him, but um, and, or point him out, but this young man during our prayer time, I asked, what is, what do you sense God saying? And he, he shared a word, a picture of people who are sitting in a prison cell and the door has been opened. Jesus has opened the door, but they remain in the cell and they, and they just don't feel the freedom to walk out. And Jesus is beckoning saying, come on out. I've got something else for you, which I didn't tell him this at the time, but as I was preparing for this morning, I felt like the Lord was saying, before you jump into this next section, we need to pause for a minute. I need to address something as your pastor that may or may not go, be going on inside of your heart and mind. And it's, and it's this, the idea that what we're talking about doesn't apply to you. That at some point, in some way, you feel like you were disqualified, or you're not good enough, or you don't measure up, or whatever it is, that, whatever lie it is that the enemy is whispering in your ear, that you're just kind of going through this series going, yeah, that's for someone else, but that's not for me. That picture of sitting in a prison cell with the door open is for you this morning. Thank you for sharing that word. And he shared it with boldness too. It was great. That God is calling you out of captivity and out of bondage and out of slavery and into a new life. And not just kind of eking out some kind of existence. But to have life and have it to the fullest. John 10, 10, right? God has said, God, Jesus has come that we would have life and life abundance. And so I want to make sure to stop here and say, if you are feeling that way, That is not from your heavenly father. That God would say to you this morning, your Lord, your savior would say to you this morning, come out of that cell, come out of that bondage, come out of that way of thinking that says, not me. Romans 11, 29, Paul says this, the gifts, God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Now, in this passage in Romans, he's talking about Israel and how Israel has not engaged with, with God in the way that he wanted and even rejected Jesus as Savior. And so he went to the Gentiles and he grafted us in. It's an amazing portion of Scripture. And while the gifts and the call are irrevocable, he's talking about Israel. What we see here is the heart of God. It speaks to his character. 
And his character is this. I'm not going to give you something and then take it away. I'm not going to offer you something and then go, oh, wait, just kidding, not you, because you know what? You're too far gone. You're hopeless. You're a lost cause. That God never gets to that place. He would never say that. So when, when we say that there's a call on your life and there's gifts in your life that God says, I've given them to you and I'm not taking them away. In fact, he says, the call that I have for you, I, I knew that call, I knew that plan before you were even born. Since the foundations of the world. And that doesn't change. That means that for every one of us, no matter what our story, no matter what our past, no matter what, whatever it is that we feel disqualifies us, God says, I don't recognize that. I don't acknowledge whatever you think disqualifies you because I am qualifying you and I'm calling you out of the cell and into the fullness of the life that I have for you. Amen? His, his call on your life does not change. It will not change. It cannot change because God does not change. So with that established, in fact, let's do this. Lord God, if that's you, you cry out to the Lord in your own heart. Father God, I, I pray over this body this morning. I pray for anyone who would be in a place where they feel like I'm stuck and I can't get out of this that there's no future for me. God, that you've called us to walk in the abundant life that you purchased at Calvary's cross. And so, Lord, I pray you break the lies of the enemy this morning, break those chains, bring deliverance to the captives. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians, you are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. You are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, and you are God's building. Here's what I'm going to do this morning. We're going to talk about the building aspect and the fellow workers aspect. And here's the way that Paul is saying this to the Corinthian church. He's saying that you are God's fellow workers in his field and you are God's fellow workers in the building. Okay, so when you read that passage, that's, that's the intent behind this. That we are all fellow workers and we're called to work in the field and we're called to work in the building. We're going to talk about the field next week. Today we're going to talk about building. It's construction Sunday. We're going to talk about building today. We're going to talk about building. First Corinthians chapter, I mean, first, rather, First Peter chapter 2 verse 4 through 6 says this, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ For in the scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. I'd love to build a house one day. It's, It's a dream of mine. I'd love to build a house. Now, I've gone on missions trips. I've done construction all around the world. I've actually, uh, for a short season, a very short season, started a, a remodeling business with my family. We did one house, and we're like, never again. Because um, if you've ever done a remodeling project, you know it never 
goes the way that you expected it. Uh, it's up in Washington, in fact, and we, that, that it was an old house and the roof was really bad and it rains a lot in Washington. And so uh, we needed to put in new roofs. So we're watching the weather reports and it's like, no, it's going to be sunny and beautiful for the next two weeks. Great. Rip the roof off the next day. Downpour. Downpour. So much so that the ceiling ended up on the floor in the living room. I'm like, oh. So my dream is to actually build a house from the ground up and not so much do the remodel, though I do like doing that as well. Have you ever dreamed about building a house? Megan and I have sat in restaurants and sketched out on napkins the house that we'd love to build. And your house would probably match your personality and your tastes and your likes. Our house would have a huge kitchen, huge kitchen with a big island with lots of chairs all around it. And there would be a pan rack hanging from the ceiling because those are just cool, right? And we would have two ovens, not one. Can I get an amen? Bakers in the house, right? And it would be open. So like I would love a living room, kitchen, dining room area that's like as big as this room. That just is all wide open so that you're all just together, everyone together. So if you're in the kitchen and the living room, you feel like you're in the same place. And I'd love for that living room and that kitchen to have huge French doors that open up onto a massive deck in the back. Can you see it? Oh, yeah. You want to come over? All right. And that deck, then there would be a beautiful garden with a swimming pool because we live in California, right? And why would we want that kind of house? Because we love having people in our house. We love, like our house right now, if you've been to our house, maybe the life group, you know our house right now, the our living room is like the corner of this room, and, and we just get kind of shoe, and it's great. We love it. But man, if I got to d- design my dream home, and you know what? We would make the bedrooms smaller, because you know what? They're just bedrooms. We lived in a house where the bedroom was massive, and I'm like, we just sleep here. I don't need a big bedroom. I need a big living room, and I would have a huge garage and workshop, yeah. Yeah. right? In fact, I went in 1973 MGBGT, and so I want a car lift that I can actually raise it up into the ceiling so it's out of the way. I can see this house. I can see this house in my mind. By the way, we want fruit trees around the house too. We love fruit trees. So we even, we've even landscaped our house. God is building himself a house, and it's an awesome house. It's a beautiful house. It's a mansion. And it's a functional house. You ever been in a house where you're like, wait a minute, if I need to go into the kitchen, I need to step, you need to move so I can get in here. Or wait, you ever been in that house where if you open, like, if you open the, the, the door to the refrigerator, there's like five people held captive, right? <laughs> you can't get out. That's not functional. God's house is a functional house. It works. And it's beautiful from the outside. It's a spiritual house. It's an eternal house. Guess what? You are the building material. You're the building material. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm building material. I'm going to get you guys engaged this morning one way or another. You are bare, you maybe didn't realize you're going to come to church this morning and find out you're building material, but you are. And check it out. Jesus is the foundation. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians. 
In fact, he says that a lot, and Jesus said it about himself. And the prophets talked about Jesus being the cornerstone, the foundation. That Jesus is the foundation that all of this house is built on. And then then Peter says, he is building you as living stones. You are being built into a spiritual house. That means it's not a a temporal house. There's a beautiful home here in Glendora. At least it used to be beautiful. Gore back in the day, 100 years ago, but now it's kind of falling down. And uh, I drive by and I'm like, oh. But, but even for me and my wild ideas, I'm like, that house is too far gone. It needs to just come down. You know that God's house will never fade. It will never fall down. It will never come apart because it's a spiritual house. It's an eternal house. And God is fitting us together as, as perfect components perfect building blocks into this house. And he's building something for himself that is beautiful. And he is excited about his house. In fact, he calls his house, he gives it a name. He calls it Zion. Called Zion. And he's building this home. And and, and initially we weren't considered good enough to be a part of the house. But then Jesus died on the cross. And he says, oh, you qualify. You get to be a part. And the Gentiles get to, to join with the Jews, with the Israelites, and be a part of this house that God is building for himself. And God has dreams for this house. He has dreams about what this house will accomplish and the blessing that it will be to others. His dream is that this house that he's building would reach out and welcome people in. And minister to their needs and take, sit them down at the table and say, could I feed you a meal? To sit down on the couch, let's have a conversation, tell me how you're doing. You are that house. God wants to, to fit you in exactly where you belong. See, that kitchen I can picture in my mind, I can see the countertops. Beautiful granite countertops. And then one of the... The big island is going to be a massive butcher block, big wooden, right? I picked out the materials in my mind. God knows what he's called you to and where you fit in his house. So the person that says, you know what, I don't play a part. I don't have a role. You know what? Without you, the house is not complete. And God is not okay with that. God is not okay with that. He wants you to fit in where you're supposed to fit in. That you would be built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And that you would find your place, your call, your role, your unique fit in that house. You ever built a puzzle or made a puzzle and you get to the end and there's a piece missing? Right? And you don't go, well, it's 99% done. Right? It's good enough. Do you? Anyone? Are you weird like that? Because I'm not. I get to the, and if there's a piece missing, I like mourn. I'm like, oh, the time I spent doing this and the picture is incomplete. God looks at his house. If there's pieces missing, his heart breaks. Our heart should break for the people who are not yet a part of God's house. They're all around us. You should see people as building material. Hey, there's a two by four. Right? There's a sink. No, don't do that. It helps, though. God uses these pictures to help paint for us a picture of what he's trying to communicate for an eternal perspective. 
a house that will never perish and, and never fade, never fall down. It's eternal, and we're a part of it. You are a part of it. But then he also says this, you're God's fellow worker. So first of all, you're building material, but secondly, you're also a builder. You are God's fellow worker. God has given you a job to do. Maybe a more current term would be this. You are a subcontractor. You're a subcontractor. You didn't know it before today, but you are. See, if I were to build a home, there would be a process that would take place. See, I would go to an architect, and I would sit down with the architect, because my, my pencil drawing on a napkin, not good enough, right? You need to draw up some plans, and there needs to be real dimensions and structural analysis and blah, 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 all those big things that need to take place. And an architect would map it out, and then it would produce a list of needed materials to build that home. And then you would take that, that plan and those material lists, and you would go to a contractor and say, hey, I want to build a house. Would you build me a house? And you would make sure that that contractor has a good reputation. You'd want to see other work that they've done, right? Show me your portfolio. What kind of houses have you built? Right? Well, I built a shed in the backyard. Great. You get to build my dream home. No way. I want to make sure that you're a good builder and you go to a contractor. What's the contractor's job? Two things that the contractor does. Do you think contractors build houses? No, they don't. They don't. Contractors, like the, the head contractor, he, his hands don't get dirty. Here's what the contractor does, but his role is critical. The contractor orders the materials and makes sure that, make sure that they arrive at the right time. Super important. And the contractor also does this. The contractor hires and schedules the subcontractors. Also super important. Why? Because if you put the drywall on the walls before the electrician and the plumber show up, you have a problem. Right? It all has to happen in order. In fact, I want to show you a series of images. This is off of HGTV. Um, this is a, one of their dream homes that they built. This is out in Utah. So this is what this lot started out with. Just an empty lot with some snow on it. Yes, the white stuff is snow. All right. And then, and then it progresses to this. And we've got a backhoe out there, and it's, it's digging. Why? Why is it digging? It has to dig the footing for the foundation. So critical. That's the starting point. And then it moves to this, right? We've got, you can see the footings in there and the concrete truck, and now they're pouring that foundation and they're filling it in. But you'll notice that already there's little places, there's little gaps and grooves left so that the plumbers and the electrical can run all of their needed uh, things through, through the, the concrete. The next picture looks like this. Oh, it's starting to look like a house. There's walls. Is it done? No, it's not done. You don't want to move into that house yet. Um, keep going. Before long, it starts looking like that. Nice house, huh? Nice house. And then it ends up like this. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Esther wants to move in right now. <laughs> There's a process. There's a process and the concrete truck, and the backhoe, and the electrician, and, and the, the landscaper, and all of these people have to show up at the right time. When uh, years ago, it was about 12 years, 14 years ago maybe, um, that Extreme Makeover Home Edition did a house in our neighborhood. And it was wild. 
It was crazy to watch him knock down a house and rebuild it in seven days. You want to talk about a coordinated effort. And they had it down to the minute. Because as soon as that drywall mud was dried, they were painting that. Like, and it was clockwork, and they were able to bust those things out. It was amazing to watch the contractor make sure, make sure that the subcontractors show up when they're supposed to. And here's the deal. The subcontractor has a skill set and the tools to accomplish a specific part and role. There are people who can build a house top to bottom from scratch by themselves. They do exist, right? They're superstars. It takes them a long time as well. But they're not the norm. They're the exception. And you know what's so often in the church? We're looking for the superstars who can do it all. And there's a few. There's a few very gifted people that you just go, wow, you're amazing. But the reality is, is we need each other to fulfill the roles that God has called us to. Because if you're a subcontractor, that means that you come to the tool with, with certain tools that you have at your disposal. Things that you have, that God has made available to you that he's put in your toolbox that we need. The people around you need you to be a hammer if you're a hammer. And they need you to be a hammer at the time that you're supposed to be a hammer. Because timing is important. Sometimes we don't get that in church, do we? Timing is important. I'll, I'll, I'll unpack that statement here a little bit more in a second. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 that you need to build carefully. Right? Verse uh, 9 through 11, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. Paul's not being conceited. He knows what the, the thing that God's called him to. And someone else is building on it because we need each other. We're scheduling the work. But each one should be careful how he builds. Because shoddy work, right, has to get fixed by someone else later. And so we're responsible not only for the, the role that we play, but how we play that role. Because other lives are depending on it. More than that, people's eternity depends on it. Plus, at the end, in 1 Corinthians 3, it says on that day that we will give an account. And God will say, okay, I gave you these tools. What did you do with them? And we will be judged according... Remember, not what we did, but according to what we were called to do. You will not be judged according to what you did. You will be judged according to what you were called to do. So if God gave you a hammer and said, you need to nail, uh, nail studs together as a framer, and you're like, hey God, I took that screwdriver, and I, I was an electrician, and, I was, and God's like, I didn't call you to do that, I called you to do this. And that's why he says that work... The gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hand, straw. It's all built on the same foundation. You'll notice that in the passage. But he says, but if you build with wood, hand, straw, what's going to happen when it's tested with fire? It'll be consumed. It'll be burned up. The gold, silver, and precious stones, what happens in the fire? They're purified. They stand. You will be judged according to what you were called to do. So it's kind of important... 
that you know what you're called to do and what the tools are, the gifts that God has given you. Would you agree with that? Okay, I hope so. In fact, it's critically important not just for you, but for the people around you. First here in this place. Actually, back that up. First in your home. First in your home. And so often we get good at doing stuff at church and we don't do it at home. Hmm. I feel the pinch of that. Because it's easy to be a pastor to other people, but man, sometimes it's hard to just be the priest in my home. It starts at home. Because it's safe. It should be the easiest place where we get to exercise our gifts. I tell you what, if you have a gift of prophecy and you're not prophesying over your children, don't come in here and try and prophesy over other people. And definitely don't go out into the community and find some poor sucker who you're going to speak a word over because you're going to do damage. You're going to do damage. So God said, listen, I've given you safe places to develop these gifts. Now develop them and start using them for my glory. Start building them for my glory. Make sure that you're getting built up, that you're equipped with everything that you need to do the job that I've called you to do. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11 says this. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the what? For the common Good. I underlined that. I, I made it red. I italicized it. If I could have made it flash, I would have made it flash. For the common good, the manifestation of the gift, the Spirit, by the way, the gifts of the Spirit, the pouring out of the Spirit, the empowering of God's people. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing spirits between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And, st- and still another, the interpretation of tongues. A lot of gifts, aren't there? You know what Paul's trying to say is? There's just a lot of gifts. Let me keep going. The next slide. All these work are the work of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to who? Shout that out. Who does he give it to? Each one. Each one. Say, I am an each one. Just as he determines. As he determines. Not as <laughs> you determine. As he determines. The manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So if God says, you're a screwdriver in my kingdom, and, and please don't get hung up on the analogy. I'm gonna, and we're going to push through this in a little bit. But I, I want to make sure that the idea of the building sub- subcontractor, that we get this. If God's calling you to be a screwdriver, you need to be a screwdriver for the, be- for the good of someone else. That means if you're acting like a hammer, when you should be a screwdriver, there's probably people in your path and in your wake that have been peed up a little bit. So we need to be sensitive so that we're building well as expert builders, like Paul says. And some people find their area of gifting and they're like, oh Lord, I'm a hammer. Thank you, Lord, for making me a hammer. And then they just go hammer everything. 
right? And you're like, whoa, great gift, bad timing. Because we have to stop and say, first of all, is there fruit in the basket? Because remember, the gifts are just the fruit delivery mechanism. And so if I'm giving you an empty basket, like Paul says, if I can prophesy and I don't have love, bong, ringing, loud, obnoxious, and empty. And it's not a blessing. You leave people going, well, thanks for the basket. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with this, right? I've got a whole closet full of them right here. There needs to be fruit. And so the fruit of your life, coupled with the gifts that God gives you, will be a blessing. It'll be for the common good. Gifts are the, for the common good. Now listen what Paul doesn't say. The gifts are not for your good. I've grown up in church. I've grown up in Pentecostal church. And I can tell you, I've seen many, many times where someone thought that their spiritual gift was for them. They wore it like a badge of honor. I am Prophet Paul. (laughs) Really? Because you just look like Paul to me. And I don't mean that to be dishonoring, but here's the thing. It's for the common good, not for your good, so that you can wear a badge and say, hey, look how great I am. Look what a blessing I am to you. I would rather you think I'm a blessing and me not even know it. No strings attached. Can I just bless you and walk away not expecting that you will say anything or do anything? You'll go, oh, I've been waiting for you to come and share that with me. No. Now, where people give honor, praise God for that. But the gifts are given for the common good, not for your good. People should, people must benefit from the gifts that God has given you. They must, because that's the way he's designed it. That's the way he's equipped you. That's, that's the whole reason he's given you these things. For the common good. There's a variety of gifts. Paul outlines a few of them here, and it's not a comprehensive list, right? It's not a comprehensive list. There's other gifts. What he's basically saying is this, we need all these gifts together to build this house. See, because we can't all be pastors. We can't. We don't need to all be pastors. We shouldn't all be pastors, We can't all be apostles. We can't all be prophets. And we can't all have the gift of hospitality. Though it's a good one to have. I would say eagerly desire that one. No joke. I mean, for real. Desire to be hospitable. Because I don't think any Christians are not supposed to. Now, some people do it really well. But you should all be hospitable. Especially here, by the way. Oh, man. Especially here. But we need the variety of the gifts because we come together and it's amazing. I love a good fruit salad. I love a good fruit salad. You ever get like that fruit salad where it's like two grapes, a strawberry, and 15,000 pieces of cantaloupe? (laughs) And you're like, I got gypped, right? There's a lot of churches. There's a lot of cantaloupe going on, but not a lot else. My prayer for our church, all right, this is good. You guys are waking up. My prayer for our church is that we would be a fruit salad. 
They, people would walk out of it going, man, I got a bit of this and that. And it wasn't just from the pastor. That people would walk out blessed. Why? Because it's for the common good and every gift is important and it's not the same. And so that means the gift that you have is important and we need it here. That means that when you're not here, we miss your gift, by the way. We miss your gift when it's not here. Be rooted and established so you can produce fruit and then your gifts, use your gifts to be a blessing and deliver it. Then he says, God gifts the gifts as he determines. As he determines. So the gifting in your life will, some seasons you'll find like, oh, this gift is stirring right now and I've never really walked in that gifting. God's like, yeah, because there's something going to happen. There's someone I'm going to put in your path that's going to need what you have to give to them. It's one of the reasons I love leading missions trips because you get people out of their comfort zone and all of a sudden they hear the Holy Spirit really well. It's, it, it's amazing. It never ceases to amaze me that people who are shy and reserved will get out on the mission field and all of a sudden there's this boldness. I'm like, whoa, where'd that come from? Turns out that the gift is already there, but given the right circumstance and the right context, man, now that gift is getting stirred up. That's why Paul says, stir up the gifts that are in you by the laying on. Because a lot of gifts, people go, oh, yeah, that's my gifting. Let me just hide it away. I was like, no, stir it up. Because we need what you bring to the table. And some days you'll be a screwdriver and some days you're going to be a hammer. And it's important to know which days he's calling you to be which thing. Right? Are we tracking with this? Is this helpful? It's helpful for me. Don't use a hammer when you need a screwdriver. You are amazing. Can I just tell you this morning? You're amazing. Every one of you. You're amazing people. Look at your neighbor and tell them they're amazing. Like you mean it. Come on. You're amazing, Pastor. Thank you, Esther. You're, you are amazing. And, and you're amazing because God has made you amazing. And I've got to tell you, I love this church. Like I can barely contain it. I got to share with some other pastors yesterday. They were like, hey, how are things going at New Community? And I'm like, let me tell you. Let me tell you how things are going. You're well, how's that transition? Transition is awesome because God is moving. God is moving in this place and he's just getting started. You're amazing because what you bring to this family, your gifts, your abilities, your personality is exactly what we need to be the spiritual house that God has called us to be. That's God's word for you. That's what he wants to deposit in you. So you might be asking this question, well, what are my gifts? Anyone wondering that? Okay, no one? All right, cool. There's a few hands. Thank you. Thank you for being brave. You're like, no, I'll I'll figure it out. I wonder sometimes, what are my gifts? I wish I had time to unpack everything. We would be here till the family meeting. And we're getting ready to move into Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we're going to focus on this season. But I'm telling you next year, that we're going to talk about spiritual gifts and we're going to spend some time unpacking, really pressing into spiritual gifts. Why? Because the church is supposed to equip you, right? Ephesians 4. 
So I want you to understand the toolbox at your disposal. But before we get there, and that's a few months out, it doesn't mean you just have to wait. First of all, the Word of God, read the book of Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, just jump in. You hear all about spiritual gifts and how we're called to use them. And I want to assign you some homework for this week. You ready for an assignment? It'll take you a little bit of time, but you'll see on your bulletin, and we'll put it up on the screen. I found a website, super helpful, spiritualgiftstest.com. Spiritualgiftstest.com. And so you can write it down. It is on the cover on the bulletin. I put it in there as well. Um, I did it. Uh, in fact, I did it yesterday. Uh, it's about 105 questions. And it, they're all like from, you know, scale of one to five or zero to five, you know, zero being the least, five being like all the time. And you just go through and you answer these 105 questions and you hit, you know, uh, produce results. And then it'll actually identify for you what, what your gifts are. Now, here's the disclaimer Right? This is more of an art than it is a science. And, and simply all the questions that are doing is determining what is it that you're already functioning in in your life. See, because your gift is not going to be a surprise to you. Okay? Your spiritual gifts are not going to be something that God says, hey, I've given you this kind of personality, but your gift is not going to match your personality at all. Because that's just weird and cruel. Right? God, I'm not comfortable with that. He's like, I know. (laughs) No, that's not the heart of God. Now, he will stretch us, but your gifts will make sense. Right? Your gifts will make sense. And so it produces a list, and it gives you your top three. The the website is great. The pastor right here in Rancho Cucamonga that developed this. Um, and, And you can read through. It talks about the different gifts of the Spirit. It gives a description of what those are. And so it's an easy way for you to to plug into something, find out what they are, um, and just gives you a sense of, okay, this is is how God has shaped me. And then there's one more thing I want you to do. On the last page on the website, right at the bottom, it says, email your results. Would you do this for me? Would you email me your results? I'd love to know what your gifts are. I'd love to know what your gifts are. And there's not enough time in coffee shops for us to each sit down individually. And now, now listen, my heart is to do that. I wish I could, I, and I, I desire to, if you want to grab a cup of coffee with me, I'd love to do that. I'm going to sit down at Classic Coffee here in Glendora, and we can sit, talk about the things of the Lord. In fact, there's nothing I'd rather do more than that. But I know that we have lives that are full and busy. Would you email me your results? Because as your pastor, I'd love to know how God has gifted you and shaped you. Because it helps me and our pastoral team to say, you know what? This person is gifted in this way and didn't even realize it. How can we come alongside of them and help equip them and call that gift out and stir that gift up? And so it's just a simple tool. It'll help inform you a little bit more, help you getting, get rolling down this road. Does that sound good? Will you do that? Yes. For your benefit, and then it'll definitely help me out, and, uh, and we'll be excited for what the Lord has. Oh, thank you. Great question. That's a good question. It's in my notes here to actually say it, and I was just reading right over that. Um, Barry, B-A-R-R-Y, B-A, no E, just in case you're wondering, 
B-A-R-R-Y, at newcommunityfs.com. So the same email address that's there on the bulletin, and I think that's mail at newcommunityfs. Just put my name in instead of mail, and that'll come right to me. And now you have my email address too, so please email me. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Um, your building material. God's building you into an amazing house, a dream home. In fact, it's a home like no one's ever seen before. When you drive by a pretty house, what do you do? You're like, oh, look at that. You know what? You know what I'd love is that your community, the people around you would stop and go, whoa, look at that. They might not even understand what they're looking at. What they're looking at is a beautiful custom home. And you're God's fellow workers. Can we stand this morning? You're his fellow workers. Use the gifts that God has given you and use them here. Please be a blessing to each other. We'll talk next week about being God's field and God's fellow workers in the field. And that next step for us as the body of Christ. Father God, this morning we're thankful. We're thankful, Lord, that you call each one, that there's no one man, woman, boy, or girl who is apart from your call, who doesn't have a call in their lives. Lord, that you have said and declared over each one, I know the plans I have for you, and they're plans to prosper you, to bless you, to give you a hope and a future. Lord, those places where the enemy would come and say, you have no value, you have nothing to contribute. Lord, we declare in Jesus' name that the enemy be silenced that your people would be free to walk out the gifts and the calling that you've given. Thank you, Lord, that you give them and you don't take them back. Lord, I pray that we would find our place in your custom home. I pray that we would find our gifts and the place that you've called us to serve with those gifts. That your body would be built up for the common good and, Lord, that the world would be reached for Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray.